Are you tired, frustrated, and feel stuck? Are you a high-performing business professional, entrepreneur, and you are not getting the results you desire or you hit a ceiling? Have you been around the block and tried many modalities? You are in the right place. The answer, my friend, is in the little-known brain-soul connection. Welcome to the Brain Soul Success Show, where we learn, explore, and create your dream life. Your host, Louise Schwartzwalter, created a five-part mind-body-soul methodology that clears the subconscious blocks to success. You are a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. The seed of all you need is already within you. From engaging transformational interviews, brain-soul success stories, and secrets shared by health, wellness, and spiritual experts, you will reconnect, revitalize, and transform your powerful life. It's time for you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brain Soul Success Show. Oh, my gosh, you are so in for a treat today. Our guest is Dr. Sue, Sue McCready. She's a pediatrician, physician, and she's a breakthrough coach. So she works with kids and women, both in the areas of health and wellness, total wellness, really. And, you know, she experienced multiple losses herself. Uh, just bringing three children into the world. And she said she crossed the pregnancy line, tired, stressed, and a digestive (laughs) mess, eventually reclaiming her health through nutrition. In her pediatric practice, Dr. Sue helps children adapt their diet and lifestyle to naturally optimize their genetics for health. Wow, we want to hear about that. That sounds Mm. great. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, And I know online you're coaching women now to unleash their health, become more energetic and become their confident selves. Mm -hmm. And that was a call to action really from your women. The moms asked you, right? Yes, very much so. They're like, what about me, Dr. Sue? I'm like, I'm working on it. (laughs) We're figuring it out together. It's messy. We'll get it done. I love yeah. that. So, you know, usually that's the best, you know, that's the best avenue and pathway is when, is when our, when our, our people ask us for something mm-hmm. and then you deliver. Yes. Right. And often as entrepreneurs, you can struggle with a delivery. You can get trapped in perfectionism. You can try to do it perfectly, or you can just say, you know what, I'm going to just do this messy. <laughs> uh, I love that. Just doing it messy, just getting out there and doing it messy. You know, and you have three beautiful children yourself. So you live in Ann Arbor, Michigan with your Mm -hmm. husband and your and your three kids. And wow, you've just done such great work in the world. You know, how did you even get started as a pediatrician? What brought you to that field to to, in the beginning? So for medicine, the field of medicine, my mom, who now at the time of this recording is 87 years old. We just celebrated her 87th birthday. And she was a nurse. She was an emergency room nurse. So she was really my intro into medicine. And from a very young age, this is before HIPAA and all these different laws came into effect. You could take your kid to work, including if you worked in the ER. (laughs) So I remember going to the emergency room with her and shadowing her in the emergency room. Isn't that crazy? Like you would wow, just never be able to do that. Do that? <laughs> no wonder why you became a doctor. <laughs> you so I, yeah. I was exposed. Right. And I remember, I remember following her around and I remember actually a type of patient we saw, like one of the patients we saw, um, was having, I don't know. I think he was having anxiety. They had him, this is funny. This must've been in the eighties, right? They had him blowing in and out of a brown paper bag. You're like, I could have done that at home. I don't need the emergency room for that. <laughs> but I still remember with my kid eyes, seeing him like breathing in and out of this paper bag just to slow down his breathing and get back in control. And I would just follow her room, you know, in the ER, they, they have those kind of sliding curtains and you just move from one thing. I still think back, what were these patients thinking with this girl in tow with her mom in the ER? And um, my mom used to wear, remember those ER hats, like the, the nurse's hats? Oh, like yes. The, oh, she had those, what? you know, and she was my introduction to it. And I said, mom, like every child, daughter to a mom, mom, 
I want to be a nurse just like you. And she said, don't be a nurse, be a doctor. (laughs) Don't take the orders, give the orders. And so I was like, mom, like I was so like step back. But if you do my mom, she's quite the alpha female. (laughs) She has a word or two to say about things. So it's not shocking that she had said that, but it really did kind of make me think, okay, well, you know, obviously I love nurses. Some of my best friends are nurses and I, you know, but her, her point in saying that was just kind of reflect on what, what do you really want? Do you, you want to give the orders, receive the orders? Do you want to kind of take control and charge, or you do want to implement the plan in essence? And so I just decided to be a, become a doctor. And I, and I remember it really was a heart calling. Like I wasn't one of these people. I mean, I always got good grades, but I wasn't like some science nerd person. I just like, <laughs> I just wanted to help people. I was never even really into the science. I, I love psychology and I was a biopsych major. Um, and I, I thought I wanted to be a psychiatrist when I was in med school. I thought I wanted to be a psychiatrist because I love psychology and med school. I love neuroscience. And so I was driven towards psychiatry until I went through the rotation (laughs) and then I was like, this is not what I want to do. Right. You just don't know until you go through the motions. Yeah. And I was like, this is not how I envision helping people. And I fell in love with my pediatrics rotation as, as a medical student. And I love and adore kids and I, and they really, I cannot stand kids suffering. So they've always been kind of my heart full of just helping them however I can. So I did my pediatric residency and then I stayed on an extra year as their chief resident there with another woman. And that gave me a lot of opportunity to kind of fall into my leadership and also time to figure out, okay, where do I fit into this puzzle? Because I never really saw myself in any of the roles or my mentors, really. There was a place that I loved to be the most was in the ICU because I thought these people really know their pathophysiology and these people are really saving lives. Like these kids are dying and they're circling the drain and you plug the drain and days later they walk out of the hospital (laughs) totally (laughs) recovered. I'm like, this is incredible. But their lifestyle, I was like, I don't want that lifestyle. You know, they're bringing their kids to work and missing birthday parties, right? Like it's just, I was like, I just don't think for me, that's going to be the way to go. And so I just started exploring all these different avenues within um, holistic medicine. And the funny part, the, the funny part, Luis, is, is that I was introduced to alternative or um, I think it was called alternative medicine then mm-hmm. in my fourth year of med school, I thought I wanted, well, I didn't think I wanted to be a neurosurgeon, but in, in our hospital, there's a, uh, an African-American pediatric neurosurgeon and I loved her attitude more than anything. She was brilliant and completely mm-hmm. humble. People would mistake her for the janitor and she was, you know, the first African-American neurosurgeon, female neurosurgeon. She was wow. brilliant. So I thought, you know what, here's your chance to like, you don't want to do surgery, but follow in her footsteps, see what you can learn from her. And so I asked my friend, will you do this rotation with me? And he said, sure. Will you do this rotation with me? And it was, it was the alternative medicine rotation. And I said, okay. And you know what, Louise, this is when divinity happens. Wow. He became a neurosurgeon. Oh, interesting. And I became (laughs) a holistic physician or alternative oh, medicine position. So it kind of crossed it. Yes. You know, and cro- I love neuroscience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're speaking to like, I, I wish, you know, I, I do a lot of brain work um, and I do it with a neurobiofeedback, you know, so mm-hmm. I do the whole um, alternative way, but if right. someone would have said to me, Hey, come on, we're going to go like, like you're going to help me do surgery on a brain. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, I want to do that. So, you know, I mean, I think I'd be a little nauseous maybe, but I would love to do it still. I love, I love it was all good until she started correct. Like opening up the brain and then asking you questions. And I was like, Oh dog, I don't know. these answers." <laughs> oh my but yeah. Goodness. I love that because it wasn't even on my radar. You know, uh-huh. I just, it wasn't even on my radar, but when my friend said, do this rotation and I did the rotation, I fell in love with it. And I rotated with a family practice. Um, he was kind of out in the boondocks a little bit and he got to do his own thing and introduced me to nutrition, introduced me to what his partner was doing, cranial sacral therapy. Um, and yeah, just really cool stuff. I mean, things that I had never heard 
This is a long time ago. <laughs> I had never heard of these things, never been exposed to them. And they were doing them right there in the office. And so I thought, oh, this is cool. So that kind of opened up my way of seeing um, that there's so much more out there beyond the hospital that I was exposed to, obviously, in training. So in my in my pediatric, I so I became the chief resident. And in that year, I just started exploring everything, right? So I started taking cranial sacral therapy and medical acupuncture and just really exploring what else was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, to And that's what I feel like this whole journey has just been a complete journey of exploration, right? You're just out there putting your feelers out, seeing, oh, that sounds cool. Let's go learn about that, you know? And all the while you're healing, right? Is the thing you're seeking therapies that are actually healing you in the process of learning them. That's what I've found personally. Yes, I have too. And that's so beautiful because not only were you trained as a medical doctor and you got to do all of that, but mm-hmm. you very early on were exposed to holistic. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, really, that's your whole practice then has started mirroring yes. both, right? Like integrating both. Immediately from the beginning. And I, and I was um, like, one of the things that before we jumped on, Louise, you said your heart is so like, you have like a beautiful, something about my heart. I remember you, you saying have a beautiful, <laughs> like, I feel like I just, you know, I just feel like, I, I hope you guys can tell if you're listening here. I feel like you have this beautiful, like inside and outside, like you just have a beautiful heart. I can see you with those kids. I wish I would have known you when I, my mm. kids were little, <laughs> I needed so a the so the first time I ever witnessed that sort of had that reflected back to me was during one of my cranial sacral therapy courses. And I don't even know what they're called, but they're these little, you probably know in your, your work, they kind of monitor energy fields. So like if you hold them, they'll widen up or close or like these little medical, I don't know. Little, yeah, they're actually all, um, they're like dowsing rods, really. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the woman called on me, the instructor called on me and said, Sue, I want you to open up your heart. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I just knew how to do that, you know? So I just stood there and I was like opening up my heart and she kept on backing up and backing up and backing up. And these things kept on going wider and wider and wider. And the whole room is like, whoa. <laughs> and I myself am like, whoa. What is that? You know? And so she was, she, that was the first time I ever had something like that reflected back to me. And you don't learn this stuff in med school. You know, someone says, open your heart. You're like, what are you talking about? Am I in that OR opening up the heart? Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so it's just really been this cool evolution and process of learning through my own healing. Obviously, all every time we learn a modality or learn something, we're healing ourselves and it's becoming like another piece of the puzzle. Um, into how we integrate it into our practice. And ultimately I never did, you know, I've turned out kids don't really like needles. So I didn't do acupuncture with them. Either did my husband and he was my guinea pig. Like he, his little toe would like sweat anytime I brought needles <laughs> near him to practice. He's like, oh my gosh. Um, but medical acupuncture was a huge process of, of me bringing um, our three girls into this world. So when I was having multiple losses and, and, you know, the choices in standard medicine were wait and see, you know, or take a drug. And I was like, I don't like either of those choices. I'm impatient and I don't want to take a drug. So then I sought out medical acupuncture and, you know, through that, I was able to really hold on to my now oldest, who's 17 going on 18, and bring her into this world, right? So I was getting healed in the process <laughs> and also learning about medical acupuncture, which I just think the whole thing is so cool, right? What did you use that for exactly? So when you say you brought her into the world and you needed to use mm-hmm. medical acupuncture, what 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 symptoms or what were you having or what was the issue there that you, I was having, well, initially I had initially I conceived, but then I couldn't hold, basically I couldn't hold on to these pregnancies. And now, now in retrospect, this is now like what, almost two decades later, looking back, like I have methylation genetics and a lot of issues as to why I would not be able to hold on to these pregnancies. But in the cloud of just like not knowing, mm-hmm. I thought, or somehow it was actually through kind of like a divine conversation. I, I, I 
when my husband and I initially, we conceived right away, but then I lost in first trimester around 12, 13 weeks. And so that was devastating. Like I, I wasn't expecting that. You know what I mean? Like I can still feel the emotion of it all. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, what's so cool about that, Lise? I remember the first person I want to talk to was my mom. That's so cute. I was like, I'm sorry, we're just, we're just married and we just lost, but give me my mom. Give me my mom right now. Right. Of course. Like she's going to make it all better, you know? So that was hard. That was hard. The first one was really hard. And then, and then, and then it was a long time before we, we, I had to find like a different solution. Right. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't just stand under this cloud of like, blah. I was like, give me the next solution. How are we going to solve this problem? And I was directed to medical acupuncture, I think through a lot of just divine conversation, which for me at the time was journaling. I was just doing a lot of journaling and figuring it out. And um, that led me to a medical acupuncturist. And then for, for her, it was just a matter of like, as soon as I saw her, we started conceiving, but then holding on to them was a thing. So I would just, you know, spontaneously abort, spontaneously abort. And then finally, you know, through her rebalancing of my body. Mm-hmm. And I used a lot of progesterone cream in the first trimester. Okay. I lathered that stuff everywhere um, because I really had, you know, hormonal imbalance. And so that was helping me hold on. Um, and, and we delivered, you know, our oldest into this world. So. Wow. Beautiful. Wow. <clears throat> And t- yeah. tell me the difference for our audience. What's the difference between medical acupuncture and just acupuncture? Is there a difference? Oh, oh, I guess I just say that because it was a medical doctor who did it. And so, yes, I think there's a difference in terms of like, I'm not sure that she had all the traditional Chinese. Med- I feel like so many acupuncturists actually have traditional Chinese medicine training. Yes. She had a, a little bit, but we, she kind of went through the training that I had gone through and they're all medical doctors and DOs. So people who are kind of didn't do the whole training, but kind of getting it trained for their modality. So there was a lot of, she was kind of the minority. They were mainly pain med there. They were um, pain docs looking for other alternatives to treat their patients, which was right. cool. Yeah. Right. And well, what, what I was doing there, I don't know, Louise, I was amongst them. Well, but you found, you know, it's, I feel like you have a lot of intuition and you found your way and it worked, yeah. you know, and you just kind of mm-hmm. listened and you said, Hey, this is what's going to help me. And then of course, through our learning, like you say, when we're learning for our own bodies, it's actually preparing you for what you do with your patients, with mm-hmm. your moms and with, as a, as a pediatrician, I'm sure helping not just the kids, but the whole family, you know, in a lot. Well, yeah, yeah. definitely. And I think, you know, it was probably the, the second trimester loss. So I actually had another loss after our first, in between our first and the second, we had a, a second trimester loss. And I think that was definitely the most traumatic, um, for sure, because I delivered that baby at home and then had to carry the baby to the hospital deliver the placenta and everything. I had to cut the cord at home, carry the baby to the hospital, deliver the placenta, and then ultimately like leave without a baby. Right. So that was really Mm. something. (laughs) Yeah. Those those are, you know, that's, that's, that's traumatic. That's difficult. You know, Mm -hmm. those, those, those pain points, you know, really big pain points. And I, and I thought at that time too, like you thought you were over it, right? Like, Oh, we have a baby. We're done. We've turned the page. We're past that. Now we can deliver babies, but nope. And so that was really kind of a turning point of really bringing into my practice as well. Just profound empathy for what people are going through. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I didn't have it before, but that kind of ramped it up to another level. Right. I mean, I could cry in a corner for all the suffering that I see with kids. But at the end of the day, it's like, how is this working for them? Right. Good question. You know, you know, yeah. How is this working for them? Well, we always Um, want to look at the pot. There's always a silver lining somewhere mm -hmm. in a cloud, you know, and and we as humans, we're all going, we just did this this last two years with COVID, right? (laughs) We are all going through something. So we want to ask those questions. I'm curious because I'm kind of, I do brain and soul work. How did that mm-hmm. affect your brain at that time? You know, um, and, mm-hmm. and your soul really, how did that, you know, that was, that was a lot to go through. It's a lot. I think with suffering and loss, it's also, mm-hmm. I was going through it 
with my husband, right? And we, we go through it differently. So that was kind of the first thing I noticed. I came home and I was just a mess, right? We have a little one. And then I have a bunch of stuff going on in my body hormonally, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't even feel like myself. I feel like I'm supposed to be a mom carrying a baby, but I'm not really. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then my husband's like, okay, I'm going to go back to work tomorrow. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? What are you talking about? Right? <laughs> and so that was kind of one of the first things I thought was like, wow, people really process this all differently. And that's mm-hmm. kind of to be expected. A lot of men don't attach to the baby until they actually, the baby's born because you attach the moment conception happens or probably even before as a woman carrying the baby. So I, I think I had a lot of grief, a lot of loss, a lot of suffering, a lot of self-pity, a lot of blindness, you know, and ultimately I had this beautiful child in front of me. So she was also therapy, right? Uh-huh. Um, and she was alive. <laughs> she was well. <laughs> we could pour our we could pour our love into her. Um, but at some point I said, you know, I have to like get out from under this dark cloud is kind of what I thought of it as, just sitting under this dark cloud. I just like at some point you just got to like stand back up and and move forward, which is, did you which is what we you did. Know, like what tools did you use or did you, mm-hmm. use, you know, or what, well, you know, what practitioners or what did you use at that time to help yourself through that? I think at that time I used a lot of journaling. I was really using journaling to connect with spirit and mm-hmm. I'd like ask questions. I would get really mad, like, and just like scribble big mad <laughs> circles on the page. Yes. Like just like my anger and grief. I would just like pig pen, you know, just bleh. I did a lot, a lot of journaling. I think that was my primary way. As long as I put my pen to paper, I would be able to answer questions. I would ask questions mm-hmm. and get answers. I would, um, that was my primary way then for sure. I've I've never been great with meditating. I'm still not, I still need more meditation and yoga. I think they'd be great ways. They weren't, that was primarily really the way that I did it then was through journaling in the morning. So before anybody else got up, it would be me and my journal and I just write stuff out. Um, I also did a lot of numerology then. I don't know if that like some people really resonate with numbers and I find like numbers communicate with me. So that was another way I'd kind of get messages along the way and be like, keep going. This means that you're doing great. I honestly just kind of always look for any type of signs (laughs) from the universe to keep going. Like if you see, if you're walking down a walk and I see a red cardinal, it reminds me of my grandma and I'm like, grandma's with me. Grandma's watching over me. Grandma feels me. Right. Like yes. those type of things would keep me yes. going for sure. You know, you can tell that, that was a spiritual journey too. Mm-hmm. You know, it affects your brain power, it affects your mental, it affects the mood. Like you said, all those hormones are flying around. You know, I'm just kind of even curious. I mean, that's how many women do you work with, you know, and families you work with who have children who also have some, you know, either postpartum depression or suffering with, with their, with birth, with childbirth. You know, I would say the majority, I think the whole thing is an emotional journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much it, as a woman birthing the child, breastfeeding the child, there's just so much even physiologically going on. Right. And at the same time, we have all these expectations that we're trying to meet for other people's needs. And then, then also not meeting our own needs, which was like very, I fell into that very typical thing of just trying to take care of everybody else and not taking care of myself. So that was kind of like another part of the journey for me was when I was finally willing. It actually came out when my daughter, the oldest was in third grade. So at that time I had like two grade schoolers and a preschooler. And she was actually really struggling through a traumatic event of, which would seem like non-significant, but I see this all the time in kids that I work with is Mm -hmm. vomiting. I don't know if you've seen this in your practice too, but uh-huh. when one child vomits on another child, or if someone, it, it, it somehow is, can be very traumatic for some people to see that. And that mm-hmm. was true in our family for one of my daughters. And she totally shut down. Um, 
just completely shut down and didn't want to go to school, didn't want to leave the house, didn't want anything that brought her joy before wasn't bringing her joy. She didn't want to eat. She didn't want to drink. She didn't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. So that was super stressful. Right. And so her actually, she's been one of my greatest teachers, (laughs) spiritual (laughs) teachers for sure. Uh (laughs) Because at the time, what I was doing was, you know, coffee in the morning, chocolate during the day, wine at night, like those were my crutches. And then at some point I was like, girlfriend, you know, we got, we got, we got to find another way, you know, we got to, we got to, um, you know, tap into other tools. So I came up with this mantra of like, breathe, write, pray, and play. And so breathing to me is, you know, meditation or yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, right, you know, breathe right um, is all the journaling and prayer is prayer, which even for me can just be like, be here now, or I am here, like really simple, like simple I'm here. Uh-huh. That's beautiful. I love <laughs> um, that. Breathe, breathe right, right pray, pray and, and play. play. And the play is anything that brings you pure joy, like just anything that fills up your cup. So then you can fill other people's up. And so that's really kind of how I really leaned into those so that I could, you know, really be a mom for her and not just a kind of a crippled (laughs) drinking chocolate, caffeinated mess. (laughs) Well, you know, so you've had, you've experienced sort of both sides of this. So you as the parent, you know, Mm -hmm. um, with the stress of, of raising kids and what you went through with even child childbirth and having three beautiful kids, but also um, now coaching and working with families and other, other women and other moms when you see their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got how much beautiful sides. It's really, it's really wonderful. It, it makes it makes the whole experience richer. You're able to be there for those people in a different way because mm-hmm. you experience some things. Yeah. And it's fun because I was just doing a um, breakthrough coaching session with a couple moms just before we got on here. And it's so cute to see them str- like kind of in the struggle. They're mm-hmm. like, wait, you want me to do what? Like, where's the spreadsheet on this? This is so messy, Sue. You know? And I'm like, I was just laughing and giggling. And I'm like, yep, it's messy. Um, but to see them break through, like they're both working on love and connection as a priority, which means like really opening up their heart, connecting better with themselves, filling themselves up, taking, instead of just, you know, driving the kid here or there, like really being present with their child. Right. And both of them are starting to see that. And it's so cool. Um, cause I said, one of the best things of doing this work and working on yourself is that you're really able to become a better parent. Not that you're not a great parent now, but you get to empower your kids in a totally different way just by learning how to be, you know, with them in a totally different way through your being, not through anything that you're necessarily doing, but how you're being, how you're showing up in the world. And so one of the women ended and she said, you know, I realized last night when this is working, she said, when my daughter said, can you come lie down with me? And she said, she asked me all the time. And I've thought about coming up with rules. Like I'm only going to lie down with you two nights out of seven, which tells you how stressed is our world, right? Like how many ridiculous things, you know, because this is a loving mom who only wants to love her child, I'm sure. But she said, I just tossed it all out. And I said, sure, honey. And, and And her daughter just was like, you could see it was just like beaming, right? Because that I said, indirectly, you said, you're lovable, you're enough, you're worthy of my time, I want to be with you, right? You're more important than anything else on my to-do list, right? All those things. And I said, isn't that like that itself? Like how healing is that? I was like, I could just get off here and cry because that yeah, girl is just feeling beautiful. so loved right now, right? Which mm-hmm. is ultimately the most important thing. I always tell parents that when they're struggling mm-hmm. with getting diet perfect or supplements perfect, I was like, the most important thing is you love your child. That's the most important thing. Absolutely. They feel loved. Yeah. You know what? I clear a lot, you know, when I do my, my, brain soul clearings is mm-hmm. we clear those places where we've been invalidated mm. and we all, yeah, you did that with me. 
Yeah. And the invalidation is really often that like, Hey, come lay down with me. And the answer is no. So it's not always a big, you got beat up on the playground by the bully. You know, it's not always a big, you know, a thing like that. It can be just a comment, just a phrase, mm. just a, a stance. So teaching women to have that presence and that stance, it's like mm-hmm. the power of presence. You know, it's the power of intention and presence um, means more than anything. Yeah. Really yeah. And it's does. interesting because in the example that came up with me, it was just one of my dad's comments. And if I had, asked, if I told him that now, he'd be like, wait, what? I said that. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> right? yeah, but like, as this little sponge girl, like I took it all in and created all these other meanings. That means I'm not skinny. That means I'm not beautiful. That means like all these ridiculous things from a simple comment. Super easy. Yeah. That he was probably came home from work. He was tired. He was just looking to relax right? Who knows? But it's, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, and it often is, it's how we take it. It's our perception, you know, Mm -hmm. it's our perception. So, so you're doing some great work now. So not only your work as a pediatrician, helping children, tell us a little bit about that genetic, the genetic connection to healthy. Yeah. So I kind of stumbled upon eating, I call it eating for your genetics. Um, and all of us have this in the, the year that we're recording now, it's like we all have this information data that we didn't have before when I started two decades ago, right? We mm-hmm. had to have a doctor to order everything. And now we're able to order our own genetics and they're an incredible tool to learn how to eat for your genetics. And so I kind of stumbled upon this because my own healing journey with nutrition which has been my primary focus on my practice. I mean, I felt like I went on a, t- after I crossed the pregnancy finish line for the, for the, you know, final time, which in total was probably seven, seven times, right. Um, to bring three girls into this world, I was a mess. And so I went on this quest. It was, I felt like a 10 year quest of healthy eating, but I could never quite find the right healthy eating to do. Like people would say, Oh, what you need to do is, you know, you know, you need to eat, uh, I don't know, like all of those, like whole 30 paleo specific carbohydrate I FODMAPs. I felt like I was going on every acronym diet oh, that there was. So many, yeah. There's so many diets out there. Absolutely. They're not there's, all right for everybody. We should they're not, not right for everyone. Yeah. And one of them, um, you know, you're just drinking bone broth for what felt like for weeks and months, you know? And so, <laughs> I, I was just trying all these different ways to heal because I, I truly wanted to heal. And every time I learned something, I implemented in my practice and kids would get results, which is great, but not everybody did. And so I was still struggling with um, my digestive health. So I kind of made strides, but still I was wondering, like, kind of like with the last keto wave, I feel like we have waves of everything. Low fat, high fat, low fat, high fat. We just cycle through these things. It's like bell bottom jeans versus, you know, skinnies. Like women's fashion just cycles. Just hold on to your bell bottoms long enough and 30 years later they'll be back in style. (laughs) I feel like it's the same for food. So I had a bunch of friends who were going to try this keto thing. And I was like, well, I've never done keto, but I was like, oh, it seems like a lot of work. I always do a lot of work with eating. Am I ready for it? You know, because at the time I kind of was sitting on the park bench deciding, like, am I going to jump into this keto thing or not? And this, this nutrigenomics piece, you know, eating for your genetics kind of came across my radar. I was like, well, I'm just going to put in my 23andMe data and see, see what pops out. And do you know the nutrition report that's based on my genetics? I feel like most people, it's like a bell-shaped curve. And most people, they should eat, you know, a mixed fat, a mixed protein, and a mixed carb diet, and they're going to do pretty well down the center and mix. But there's some of us who live on the periphery, like we really need to be low fat, or really need to be higher fat. And so um, for so long, I was kind of in the low carb, you know, paleo, heal your gut track for years and years. Mm -hmm. And so when I got my report back, and it told me I should be eating 70% carbs, 15% fat and 15% protein, I literally said to my daughter, how do you eat so many carbs? And she's like, mom, so annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, come on. Everybody knows how to eat carbs. But I hadn't been eating carbs for so long that I honestly was like, this is foreign concept. So when I started, I was eating more like a 30, 30, 30. When I actually put in the numbers, I was like a third fat, a third protein, a third um, carb. Mm-hmm. But it turns out like that fat was way too, my genetics don't metabolize fat really well, especially saturated fat. And so 
when I would eat fat, that actually is digestive distress, but I was never, I never correlated those two, right? Like it wasn't on my radar. And in the same sense, like eating a lot of, you know, fibrous type carbs actually helps my digestive system. Mm-hmm. Um, where, so it was just kind of, you know, and, and there's so many other things in eating for your genetics. Like you can find your methylation genetics and your gluten genetics and your dairy genetics. So you can see like, is dairy your friend or foe? <laughs> you know, a lot of people try on it, but don't really know what their genetics say, which there's nothing wrong with trying it. But I just find that it gives you a lot more specificity with my patients in the practice. I can also do some more blood testing, urine testing to figure things out. But even with, with women that I coach, like they can easily take their 23andMe data, you know, and, and put it into another website. And if you want to know about that, you can just go to eatforyourgenetics.com and I'll walk you through the whole thing, eatforyourgenetics.com. And I'll just walk you through the three steps because they're super simple. Basically, like get your get your raw data, upload it, and out spits a report. <laughs> you know, oh, and it's something that nice. you something that yeah. you can read. But mm-hmm. it's also something like I love to do even on a Friday night. I joke with people like I think it's so fun. You know, so I can also consult. You know, to help people kind of bridge the gap. So I'm dealing with these health struggles, or these are my health goals. What do my genetics say about that? And you can very much just because you've been doing it just like you have Louise, with so many things that it's just like, at the end of the day, you just focus on these three things and these three things, and you're going to, you're going to hit the target of what you want. And I see that over and over again. So that's what I do with kids and adults is really help them fine tune their nutrition for their genetics. Yeah. For their genetics. That's great. Thank you for explaining that to us. Yeah. Cause that's a different, mm-hmm. a little different approach. I done a whole met- metabolic approach. I do the whole metabolic testing thing with people, you know, Okay. did it that way too. Um, but this was years ago, you know, so they didn't have, like you said, now we have yes. all these tools online and we can do it this way and a report spits out. How easy is that? How easy is that? Well, yeah. And you can do it yourself without a doctor's order. That's what yeah. I love too. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, you're doing such beautiful work with you know, with, with people, with women and with, and with kids, you know, mm-hmm. if you were going to, if you were going to give someone advice who's just starting out, mm-hmm. what would you, what would you say to a doctor just starting out and even in the field of pediatrician, you know, or, mm-hmm. or starting out even just in any kind of practice related to that, what would be some of your tips? I would definitely say, you know, trust yourself, like really, really develop the relationship with yourself so that you can hear your higher guidance. You know, for me, that's really came a lot through journaling initially. And now I just like talk and can hear it in essence, like it's kind of a running dialogue, if that makes sense. But I think really being in touch with your, your true self um, is really important. And I teach parents that too, you know, cause like you're going on your own path and you're carving out what you're here to do in the world and how you're supposed to show up and how you're supposed to serve. And nobody can determine that for you, but you, right? So all they can determine is what they've seen in the past, either from you or for others, but they have no idea what you're here to do to create in the future. The only person that can do that is you. So I think really developing that self-care relationship, however it is that you best get information for for me, it's quiet time in the morning. I call it morning me time, where it's just me and my matcha latte. <laughs> and I just, you know, do my spiritual readings. And, you know, I used to journal a lot. I don't know. Now I just kind of journal more or less in the book, to be honest with you. I just kind of, these things just keep downloading. I just keep putting them pen to paper. So I get really clear that way. I was just going to um, ask you, what's your biggest self-care tip? It sounds like you already gave it to us. Is that is that it? Yeah. Is it that morning routine? It's really morning routine. Or I guess if you're a night owl, like I'm an early bird, so I don't want to do anything at night. But I guess if you're a night owl and and the and it's quiet at night and everyone's gone to bed and you're still a night owl, then you mm-hmm. could do it at night. But I feel like it needs to be where nobody else is around. It's really, it's really quiet time. Nobody's gonna interrupt you and be like, Mom, you know, or right, right. <laughs> you know, you're like, uh-huh. Um so, but really getting quiet with yourself so you can hear, I mean, that's a big thing. I feel like in increasing your intuition and being able to sense so you can see, hear and feel and know what it is that you're supposed to be knowing without someone else telling you. So I, my advice is like, don't look for external validation. Okay. Awesome. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's that, in- yeah. It's that internal, you know, when I first started doing biofeedback over 20 years ago, um, I would watch people come back after five or six sessions and their intuition was heightened. Mm. And at that time, I wanted to create like a bumper sticker that said, follow your in- the, he- the path to healing is following your intuition and trusting it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I see that you've done so beautifully. How you listened, even as you told us your story today about how you got started in medicine, you know, how you listened mm-hmm. to your heart on those rotations and went, nope, this isn't right for me. You were following your intuition, right? But I, but this does resonate with me, you know, and ended up in the perfect world of, you know, being this amazing Dr. Sue pediatrician and now as a breakthrough coach with women you know, as they called to you and said, Hey, can you help us to <laughs> why don't you help us? Right. And so now you're able to They're do so that in such a, in such a beautiful way, you know, so mm. let's just take a minute and get to know, like, like the Dr. Sue behind the scenes too. And you shared your heart and vulnerability with us. I so appreciate that. And mm. learn, I feel people learn from our stories. Very much so. Yeah, very much through our stories, you know, you know, this will resonate with someone out there, I'm sure. Um, But when you're not working, and you're not doing your research, Mm -hmm. everything else, what do you like to do in your downtime? I love to go on walks with my husband. So every night, even when it's bitter cold outside, we put our coats on and go for we walk the neighborhood, we just have a route. And it's a really, sometimes we don't talk at all. You know, it's just, it's just, to kind of reset and downregulate. That's one of my favorite things to do on the weekends. We go for longer walks, like an hour and a half or so, and just move our bodies. Lots of times we're not talking. We're just moving. That's a big way. I think it's more like a movement meditation for me. I love those. Um, I love being with my girls. You know, they're teenagers now. So sometimes you don't understand the TikTok or the Instagram language. <laughs> going <on. laughs> yeah. I understand. Can they uh, can they decipher it for you? Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I get I get quiz like, "Mom, you know what that is?" I'm like, "I think it's this." Or like, "No." Or sometimes I get it right, which is funny. Um, so I love you know connecting with them, however I can. You know, one of my daughters loves the kitchen, so her and I usually do dinner together. Um, but you know, figuring out ways to kind of connect with them as they get older, even though they're little slices of the time. So it may be in the car when you're driving, but anytime I can connect with them, it really fills me up. So I love that. I love laughing with girlfriends. Like I love just going out with girlfriends and laughing. Um, oh, which is kind of out. I'm kind of I'm going to come to Michigan. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love, um, I'm a personal development junkie. So I love, you know, going to personal development things with friends, you know, and like that to me is a vacation. I I mean, like my husband goes on ski trips with the guys and I go on self-development trips with with my friends. That's a perfect, that's great. He's got his thing. You got, that's awesome. Yeah. That's how I'm like, can I just go do another like Tony Robbins course? Okay, great. Thanks. Um, so that's, that's my fun. Those, those are the big ways. And also I just really love to be by myself in the morning. Like it's a huge thing of, I, I had to learn that. Like I used to try to stay up late and like it dysregulated my husband and I, and it dysregulated me because I'm an early bird by genetics. That's another thing you can find out by your genetics. Test oh, I should check that out. Are you an early bird <laughs> or a night owl? Right. And tells you how you metabolize um, alcohol and caffeine too. There's so much in there, but <clears throat> Once I got kind of my my chronotype and biological clock ticking, I realized, you know, really early morning, like five in the morning. Sometimes I'm up like at four or something. My girls are like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I just feel good." If I go to bed at nine and get up somewhere between four and or in the five o'clock, that's where I feel good and I'm really able to enjoy my time by myself. So by myself is a big one. Is a big one. Oh gosh, you have you can create a great balance for yourself. I can tell. That's really yeah, over time, over yeah. time. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's self-care too. So important for, for mm-hmm. especially busy moms. You know, we tend to yeah. give, 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 you know, that's just kind of what we're taught, right? We are definitely taught that. Yes, yeah. we are. <laughs> we're, 
we're taught we're for taught. anyone listening with kids i would say as a pediatrician no i'm just kidding that yeah, no we, we want to hear it yes tell us what's your advice i i, I really find that we we disent we enable kids like we disempower them you know, because we, we try to do too much for them. I mean, I like applaud my kids. I mean, I joke with my girls that like, um, you're amazing because your mom's like quote unquote lazy. And then I stopped saying that because they was like, yeah, you're a lazy mom. I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, but I said that as a joke because the more lazy you are, the more independent they become. Meaning like my girls do their own laundry, right? They, empty the dishwasher. They load the dishwasher. They know how to make meals. Like they're teenagers and can fully, I could exit this world and they know how to make healthy meals. I think that's an amen. Like, I think that's oh, like, absolutely. Hallelujah. Right. Yes. Um, and there's just so many things like that. And I asked them, you know, and this is even when they're in grade school, they're packing their lunches. And I guess that's because I was raised by my mom who, you know, you packed your lunches and you were in grade school. So we packed lunches when, you know, third grade and on and kids were, so, then my kids would come home and be like, so-and-so was wondering what's in their lunch. And I'm thinking, I know what's my lunch because I packed my I lunch. Packed it. <laughs> so you learn so, those younger too. Yeah. I just think that like, it makes yeah. for, you know, you don't want to be disconnected. You don't want to be there, you know, when they need you, but they can do so much more than what we think they can you know, and when they step into it, like today I heard, like, you know, um, today I heard from one of them, wow, I made that appointment. I drove to that appointment. I handled the appointment by myself. And now I've got my finished product, which was her hair done for prom. Okay. Uh-huh. She did it all by herself, you know, and, and I think that's amazing. Yeah. Well, that builds self, that builds self, self-esteem, you know, mm-hmm. kids need structure. I did the same thing, you know, and I remember my kids saying, Hey, you know, so-and-so doesn't even know how to balance their checkbook or, you know, they don't know. They don't even know how to like, you know, cook mom. My kids are better cooks than I am now, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, and for that's sure great. You know what I mean? So yeah. they, you know, you're teaching them to be independent, to be, to be in this world. And, to how and, to they, do things. and they feel it. They own it. Like I heard one of them say, I'm really proud of myself that I manage my money. She's not even yeah. 18. <laughs> that's so great. That's just, yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, but they honor it. They're like, okay, money is to spend, save and share. Like I worked hard for this money. This is how I want to spend it, you know, and they own up for, I just think all those things, um, you know, in the year we are now, I think we do a lot of disempowering for kids because we want to do it for them. We want them to be okay. We want them to like not hurt or get bumps or bruises. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hmm, how is this working for them? You know? No, what they're they going to learn from their mistakes ball? too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still remember when my son said this to me, he said, he said, mom, let me make my mistakes. Cause you told me I was going to make, learn more from my, mistakes uh. than my successes, you know? And he was just, he was reminding me that he needed to, he needed to do it. You know, yeah, you need to. Mm. So, yeah, great. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Hey, so they're always throwing my medicine back at me, by the way. (laughs) Like when I'm off feet, they're like, wait, mom, you said this. I was like, you caught me. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And so, and so, Dr. Sue, if you were going to give us your number one brain hack, what would that be? Mm. Wow. Like how to hack into your brain. Like, like to tip. me, I think like a to tip. me, I think to me, I think it's just about well, I think I kind of go two ways. One is definitely intuition, like just always learning the ways that you best tap into your intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for me, I shared like a lot of it was journaling initially, and now I can just kind of hear it. And um that's a definite brain hack to me. The more you can, the more you can do that. The, the second, the second one I, is, is more about mastering your emotions, I guess is what I would refer to it as meaning that every emotion, it's not positive or negative, good or bad. It just is. And if you can neutralize it and listen to the message that it's bringing you, it's like a body symptom, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a sore knee or a stomach ache. It's like anger anger has a message, you know, anger means that you're either stacking hurt or that someone's crossed the line. Someone's, you know, violated your rules. 
right? And so like all these things have messages. And I think that's another way to really hack our mind because otherwise we just like spin, right? So if we want to like really kind of break out and break through, it's like, what's the message it's bringing me? Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Gosh, thank you so much for that. So two beautiful brain hacks. The work that you're doing world is amazing. I know that you have a, um, a gift for women who you're coaching now and it's a free like reset, right? So we'll put mm-hmm. the link below here. It's a seven day reset. Describe that a little bit for us. Yeah, it's just my way of sort of taking you through the seven steps that I did to really reclaim my health, which is all about, you know, eating how to eat. So eating for your genetics, right? Um, resting, um, movement and how to do detoxification through that. And then supplementing your shortcomings, quieting your mind, opening your heart and connecting with spirit. So those are kind of the seven steps. And like through those resets, I'm just able to get on zoom and, you know, or Facebook live and like teach you so I can verbalize it. And then I give you little, um, prompters, you know, to daily do's to kind of make your steps. You can go further down the path. So yeah, that's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Oh gosh. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, Thank you for having me. I just, I just deeply love you and the work that you're doing. And so you can check out her, her website. It's, is it just Sue McCready? Um, My website for women is actually fitfemfree.com. So F I T F E M F R E E.com fitfemfree.com. So yeah, you can find me there or at Dr. Sue McCready on any of like the social. I'm mostly hanging out on Instagram. I don't think I can go to TikTok yet, guys. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think Instagram is 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 the line right now. <laughs> That's great. Well, it's just been great having you. And thank you so much for being with us. Oh, um, thank you for having me. Oh, until next time, have a great day, everyone.